Hello and welcome back to the Intune podcast, a platform dedicated to inspiring and promoting inclusivity and representation in the Glasgow and wider Scottish music scenes. I'm Erin, joined by the rest of the Intune team. Hi, I'm Sam. Hi everyone, I'm Michal. And today we are joined by the absolutely fabulous Melissa Kelly, a Glasgow-based soul singer-songwriter who just makes you feel all the emotions. Um, but before we get into this episode, we would really like to thank everyone for the amazing feedback we've received for the first episode. And we really hope you enjoy the second episode with Melissa just as much. So hello, Melissa. Hello there. I'm so very excited to be here. I, I put a face on for this and everything. I was so excited. <laughs> well, we're very excited to have you on. How are you today? How are you doing? Yeah, good. Um, I, I was just explaining before we started, I have had such a manic day. Uh, I, I feel like the first two months of lockdown was just me lying on the kitchen floor drinking red wine and me just complaining about how I've now got too much time. And since I've evolved in lockdown, it's now like, I have no time. I cannot breathe. I'm just going to go and stand in the kitchen and scream for a little bit and then go back to the Zoom call, whatever Zoom call I happen to be on. So yeah, I'm good though. That makes it sound like I'm bad. I'm not bad. I'm good. <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. <laughs> the pillow screaming that goes on, the pillow screaming. Yeah. <laughs> So for full transparency here, um, when I say that you make us feel all the things, like all the emotions, um, I really mean it. Um, but the other day, when we were listening to your songs, Sam was listening to I'm the Boss. And she was like, I can do anything. I can take on the world. <laughs> it makes me feel so hyped up. Can I just say that's so rare to have a song that makes you feel so empowered and just strong and I just feel incredible when I listen to it oh, so thank you so much thank you <laughs> I'm so glad that's a hundred percent what I was going yeah. for whereas I on the other hand was sitting in my flat in the west end bawling my eyes out to <laughs> I am the wind <laughs> I mean that's that is one of my concerns a lot of the time with the stuff that I write there is absolutely no gray area I am either writing like really sort of stuff that I feel really passionate about that's really up-tempo and really loud and obnoxious or I'm writing music that basically music to get devastated to music to literally lie on the floor and drink all of your drinks cupboard if you even have a drinks cupboard long enough in this climate uh that that's there's no gray area yeah so for those that aren't really familiar with you and your music mm -hmm. shame on you if you don't know who Melissa <laughs> Kelly is but absolutely um, shame on you um can you kind of describe your music what is you doing like what you're kind of involved with in the industry Sure. Um, I am first and foremost a singer songwriter. I feel like that's my that's the core of what I am. Um, and I have I have my band Melissa Kelly and the Smoking Crows, which has been going for five years, and it's uh, it's a combination of different influences, but the main one being soul music. I was brought up in a house where uh, you know Northern soul was played all the time. So uh, you know soul music is if I were a stick of rock that you get from like the fair running through it is the word soul music that's what runs through my whole the whole core of me so um yeah so when I started the crows it was because I wanted to do a soul band because everyone was doing like indie bands and I wasn't interested in doing that uh and you know the crows has done really really well and again people really connect with that I think there is a a good uh, sort of crowd in central belt Scotland at least that connect with soul music from the sort of northern soul days and a lot of younger kids as well are hearing it from their parents and what have you but yeah that's the core of what I am but um, I've, I, 
like everything in the music industry, I feel like if you want to sustain a career, you have to diversify. You have to, you know, make sure that you're learning all the time about parts of the industry, to, not just to diversify and get a bigger career, but to protect yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up going into lots of different areas of things like um, artist management and development. Uh, I obviously have an academic career as well as a, as a, as a teacher. Uh, and then Female Musicians Scotland, which is a, a private online community for women to network um, or anyone who d- identifies as female to network uh, and meet other or people working in the industry. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge answer. It just, it gets, it grows and grows and grows as I get mm. older because I'm just constantly looking around for new things to get involved in and go, yes, I might be getting to the age of a woman in the music industry, which some might say that my voice is no longer valid uh once you get past a certain age statistically in the music industry as a woman you do get included less and I'm like right well if I insidiously insert myself in every possible place there's no way they'll get rid of me Um, (laughs) and then I can help other people coming up and be like oh you're you're not you know I was about to say something there I think it's unfair is it unfair I'm gonna say it anyway oh you're not just a white cis male straight you know the usual bland mother um I'll just you know you can come with me. Come with me. I have a place here. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm very careful of how I say it these days because mm-hmm. I know um, I don't want to. I want to include everyone. That is the truth. Um, because you know, music is for everyone. It's not for an exclusive group of people. It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, uh, unfortunately, Central Belt Scottish music industry and creative industries, but more so music industry, is so heavily heavily populated with just one kind of person, one kind of voice. Uh, and I find that baffling because the amount of, you know, jam nights, singer-songwriters, I meet all these different musicians from all different walks of life. Um, surely it's bad of, bad for business to only have one voice in the business that you're working in. And then when I take trips to go down to London um, to work, um, I'm always blown away by how multicultural it is and how inclusive it is. And I'm like... Mm. Scotland doesn't really have an excuse. Yes, okay, we are predominantly white culture, but the fact of the matter is, um, you know, there's no, there's correction. There's very little sort of uh, diversity and intersectionality in, in the Scottish music industry. And I just, I'm very passionate about it. I try not to rant about it too often because, you know, I don't want people to sort of turn off. But yeah, it's, it kind of goes hand in hand. I love music, but I also just love people. And I, I want there to be lots of both all mixed yeah. in together. And I think just to, to kind of put a point in there, I think that's kind of drawn back to what is central and what we're aiming to do through this whole initiative is to mm-hmm. kind of raise the voices of those who feel underrepresented. Yeah. And as you said, it's not as if there's a lacking of diversity in Glasgow or in Scotland in general. No. It's that those voices maybe aren't being brought to the fore as much as they would be if it was a city like London. Yeah. And, you know, that's the kind of point of this is to kind of bring those voices forward, hear the stories, you know, address the problem that maybe is there of exclusivity in yeah. order to promote inclusivity and diversity within the scene here. Yeah, absolutely. And and the sort of um, the more kind of initiatives like this that are going in Scotland, the better, um, because like you say, it's not for lack of representation. There is representation there. It just needs to be given a platform. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not as if we're trying to create a London in Scotland. That's not the case at all. Glasgow is its own 
cultural hub with its own industry actors and its own musicians um, and incredible venues that you can you can see all of this talent yeah I completely agree um I think I first saw the smoking crows back in April 2017 mm-hmm. and this was a time when like the only Glasgow music scene I knew was just the the indie bands filled with men and yeah. that I, I didn't know anything else apart from that and mm-hmm. then I think it was at Swing I saw you oh, and I I love Swing um, <laughs> I remember just feeling such like radiant empowered energy in the room oh. and I was like I didn't know that there's musicians like this in Glasgow oh, I feel like I, I was oh. very I was very um, naive at that point I was quite young sure. but I ever since then I was just like wow okay let me open myself up to the many great musicians that are not indie mm-hmm. male bands which I don't even like anymore <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> another convert <laughs> um but yeah I think overall I would just describe you and your performances in particular as very empowering and um I was just wondering like what are the ways in which you try to kind of promote female representation and empowerment through your music and performances um I think the performance side of it is probably the was the first thing that I I was I've always been a feminist I just didn't realize it I didn't have the language for it when I was younger um Granted, there was a lot of deprogramming from that as well, because uh, you know, as a teenager, I didn't, I did, uh, as a, many teenagers, I'm sure, did, thought a lot of things that were completely untrue about themselves and the world around them. Um, but one of the first things I wanted when I decided I wanted to do music and I wanted to do performance was I wanted to be the kind of performer that, as a woman, when I watch another woman, makes me feel many different things outside of just feeling the emotion of wanting to cry. Um, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with being the kind of, you know, you, you get performers like, uh, I guess Adele is probably the first one that pops into my brain, who's got a lot of music about relationships and love. And I feel like the main function of her songs is to uh, provoke sort of emotion in you to do with stuff like that. Nothing wrong with that. I think that's fabulous. I mean, the women's damn sight richer than me, so I should shut my whore hole. But <laughs> um, the fact of the matter is when I saw people like um, Aretha Franklin, Tina Turner was probably a great example as well. She could not give a shit if she were attractive. She couldn't give a shit if she were palatable. Her performances were all about the music. It was all about portraying the words in the song and portraying her love of singing and performing for people. And I loved that. So when I was starting to think about the way I wanted to perform, that sort of came into my head a lot. And also, I sort of thought about the male performers that I enjoyed watching and why was it I enjoyed watching them as well. And for a lot of them, it was because uh, they had the same energy. And I thought, right, well, there's no reason I can't have that energy as well. And um, I kind of experimented it a lot at the start of my career. And a lot of the start of my career was, you know, confidence issues with as well, because you've got to have a lot of confidence to perform that way. Um, and I was kind of, I would try it half-heartedly and I would feel like it wasn't working and go, right, I've got to figure out a way around this. Um, and I think the turning point was uh, me and the Crows. I mean, before that, I was performing fairly sort of uh, big, aggressive performances that I really enjoyed. Um, but the turning point was we supported Blues Water in Edinburgh um, at La Belle Angel. 
and there was a big huge crowd it was probably one of the biggest crowds the crows had played to at that point and there was i noticed that our demographic had started to change and there was like this little there was two rows of women right at the front of the stage it was all men behind them but there was just two rows of women and I was doing my performance and I was really getting into and I was starting to think about people like James Brown and Tina Turner and Aretha and Etta and all these people that just didn't care. They didn't care whether or not you were with them. They were there essentially in the moment and they wanted you to connect with them. But if you didn't connect with them, it wasn't going to break their stride. So I did that. And at one point without even thinking about it, because I was just I was too busy performing, uh, I pulled off one of my earrings and I threw it because it kept banging against my microphone and annoying me. And the whole and the first two rows of women just erupted, just feral screaming, just feral screaming. And I was like, I was like oh, what, what happened there? Well, when I came off stage afterwards, like a whole bunch of them came up to me and they're like, oh, we just it was so great to watch a female performer just be so unapologetic and be so sort of aggressive and assertive and all those things. I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. It's, it's all those things are kind of missing sometimes um, because I feel like sometimes women want to apologize. It's almost like apologize for being, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to come on stage and I'm, I'm going to play some of these songs. They're really beautiful. And I took a lot of time writing them and I honed my craft and sorry, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. And don't apologize. What are you apologizing for? Um, you peddle in something that is really important has become more important to us in lockdown, which is art. And whilst that might be something that people consider wanky and, and subjective and all the rest of it, still completely important. Can't have the world without art. What would the world be without art? And um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of, had to get over that sort of apologetic um, aspect and because I wanted that. I wanted to see the women in the audience fairly scream at me and drop their wine and whatever they were drinking all over the floor. I wanted that. Yeah. On the subject of kind of being really bold and audacious, I want to talk a bit about Riot Queen Records, mm -hmm. which is incredible. So it's amazing that you've managed to set up your very own record company, which champions women in music, the LGBTQ plus community and people of color. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know how important is it for you to have a company with a stance that you really value? Um, endlessly, because the cold hard fact of the matter is, yeah. as I kind of said earlier on, I try not to repeat myself. Uh, you know, I, I am getting older in the music industry and I, I look around and the one the one thing I sort of talk about in some of my employability academia is when was the last time that you saw a grey haired female band uh, you don't mm -hmm. see them uh, unfortunately and not just because they die they're here because you just don't see them <laughs> um, and I kind of think I want to as far as you know when I became a musician I became a musician because I wanted to be happy I wanted to do a job that I really loved but as I've gotten older the one thing I also want is because someone at kids have never been a main motivation for me. I, um, I have, you know, no issue for anyone that wants to have children, but it's never been something that's been an ambition of mine. Um, and then I'm like, right, well, what is it that I, I would like to um, have as a legacy, something that I have, have brought to the world that's not a child or something like that? And the one thing that I wanted was to leave an industry behind me when I retire, whatever I decide to do, that uh, leaves space behind me for other people like me. Um, mm. Because I am very aware that I am not uh, commercially good looking, whatever the hell that is these days. And I am chunky yet funky and unapologetic about that. I have fat ass and y'all have to deal with it. Um, I want to know that the industry, the industry that I've left is leaving space for that. So for, for Riot Queen, you know, 
I mean, I, I've worked with some really great record labels over the years, and I have to say, um, uh, Holy Smokes Records is one of them. Granted, um, they have a very white male uh, roster, and uh, I don't necessarily read them for it because they have some really amazing women working behind the scenes um, who are doing some of their uh, roles uh, in the sort of artistic end who want to be there. But yeah, I just looked around, I was like... I want to see artists like me. I want to see uh, representation I don't get to see unless I'm in London. I want to know that uh, it's kind of like when you go to these sort of schemes in Scotland and the government decides to just sort of drop into the scheme and give them a grant to build a community centre and then they bugger off again and the community centre does mm -hmm. nothing. The difference between that and actually sending people into that scheme and going working with the people working with the community and then all of a sudden the community gets better it's kind of the equivalent yeah. of that in the music industry it would have been dead easy for me to set up something like female musicians scotland set it up and then bugger off um but i want to leave stuff that actually develops people actually works with people so that when i'm not in the industry anymore there's a bunch of people who think like that who feel there needs to be representation so that it's not just the same people who are just doing the same things all the time yeah so on the topic of being a woman in a really image-based industry, which often relies on social media, do you find it difficult to have so many things on your plate? Yeah, there is. With, with things like social media, for sure, you've got to constantly be, uh, you know, updating all the time. And I do think um, for women in the industry, there's an expectation of um, putting up very polished photographs of you looking fabulous all the time yeah. if I put up something that was me really disheveled and writing something I've done it before I put something on my Facebook page uh, uh, just at the start of lockdown where I didn't have a full face of makeup on and I was just singing a song uh, and I did get a couple of messages of people being like um, are you okay is everything all right like what's what's happening what? in your life because I didn't put yeah. eyeliner on like that that is a thing with women. I feel like when you're not wearing makeup, people always say, are you ill? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just like, are you dying? <laughs> like, just wasn't feeling putting on my eyeliner today and everyone's having like a mass panic that I haven't done that. And it's ridiculous. It's like, I'm sorry, you're, you, the, the texture of your skin is not like smooth like plastic today. What's going on? What's happening? Are you there? okay, babe? It's like, are you? Oh my God, are you a human being? You okay, oh my huh? God. Like what's happening? Everyone yeah. stop. She's a human. She's a human. Get her, burn her. Yeah. Like it's that. Do you know it's it's really interesting to to hear that uh, from both of your point of view. And I suppose my background is in performance. And whenever the world was normal, and do you know th there's been a few instances where comments have been made about um, do you know diet or about different things in in relation to maybe how life is on the road but whilst these things 110 percent affect women more um it is it's it's an issue across the board for for anybody in the music industry and i suppose it brings up this conversation around attractiveness and marketability and do you know i wonder is that something that you've thought about is it is it in your consciousness do you know how do you maintain an authentic self whilst also appealing to to a market oh I think when it comes to I think when it comes to looks and attractiveness and physicality and all these things it's an absolute minefield in the music industry and I think um, for too long it's been an incredibly toxic thing that mm. uh, a lot of the time um, again uh, 
it's probably the most imbalanced thing uh, when it comes to branding and marketing of female artists mm-hmm. um, because it's all about the male gaze. It's all about, do you fit into this cookie cutter of what we consider to be marketable or palatable? Um, and, uh, you know, and, and not being, you know, not being too much or not being too aggressive or not being too this or too that. And, you know, I, I can't, I can't get on board with it. I can't get on board with it for a bunch of reasons, but the core reasons is um, I like to eat and I like wine and pasta and I'm not going to apologize for that. I am a fat bitch. <laughs> And nothing about that is wrong. Nothing about that's wrong. Absolutely. That's not a dirty word. No. And, I, and, and the thing is, um, I gave myself such a kick in when I was a teenager. I had full on eating disorder. I gave myself yeah. an absolute doing because I didn't fit into uh, the idea of what women should look like. And then when I got to the music industry, I knew for a fact that that stuff was going to get even worse. Um and I made a conscious decision to try and deprogram. And you can never fully deprogram it. Unfortunately, no, we were all raised in a patriarchy, but I've put so much work into loving exactly how I look. Gorgeous and sexy and all these things, if you choose to be them, if you want to be them, have nothing to do with what you look like. Nothing to do with what you look like. I'm a sexy motherfucker. It has nothing to do with what I look like. It has nothing to do with what I look like. Um, yeah. you know and and I think that's something that we all I, I love that I mean it's, it's kind of it's kind of uh, silly but I love that Tim Minchin song and one of the lines that he says is um, my body's never said a bad word about me I love that because it's true my body has never said a bad word about me so why should I spend an afternoon looking in the mirror and talking total smack to myself I'm not going to do it and no one else should either yeah and I think that's really important especially in the industry that we're operating in to you know maintain a a level of authenticity and you know keep true to yourself and your values and you know I'm really interested in a project that you have released fairly recently uh, your solo album Love Ladders to the Master Um, and I know that there is maybe a part two that's coming this year which is very exciting Mm -hmm. but do you know whilst that's such an exciting venture and is obviously something that you we're probably so excited about I wanted to get your take on bringing that into the scene here and creating a version of yourself that is maybe a wee bit separated from what people here in Scotland and in the Glasgow music scene kind of know you for it made me so nervous it made me so nervous and I do not get nervous I don't get nervous about uh, you know whether or not people like my music because the fact of the matter is people are not going to like my music and that's just the way it is you when you make art people are going to go I love that and some people are going to go I shite I don't like that and that's just the way it is but yeah when I when I when I thought about the solo stuff I was like right well I mean I've released small tiny solo things at the very start of my career nothing that was particularly good it was all just me figuring out who I was as a musician um but now I've got a firm idea of who I am as a musician and when it came to making love letters um I was making it as part of my master's as well but also I wanted something that um had a theme running through it of a lot of things I feel really passionate about was still absolutely authentic to me but another sort of side of me so you know a lot of what love letters is is um a sort of retelling of the Scottish witch trials except told through a different lens told through sort of the lens of hearing about what women deal with so things like you know wicked's a lot to do with sexual promiscuity um during the Scottish witch trials sexual promiscuity would be an execution sentence 
Uh, in fact, in cases where adultery was part of it, men would get a slap on the wrist and women would get their head put in a cage and paraded around the town. So I, I love learning about sort of um, mm-hmm. stuff like that in the past that we have, because women were criminalised at one point in Scottish history, and particularly in Glasgow, women were fully a, a problem to be dealt with. That was the way they were seen. And if you couldn't bear children or you couldn't work, you were othered or you were sort of cast aside um and you know the 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 gender balance of that as well was something that sort of got my brain ticking over when I was sort of starting to write things because 70 percent of people that were uh, executed for witchcraft were women uh there is a small 11 percent as well of them that was people like beggars and um musicians entertainers which I also found hilarious uh and also travelers um because my, my mother's side of the family are Roma so there was basically when I was writing love letters I was like if I lived and a lot of people say it but I know for a fact it would be 100% true if I lived during the 17th century I wouldn't have stood a chance I just wouldn't have stood a chance I would have been executed for so many reasons you know musician entertainer Roma um unpalatable uh you know (laughs) all these things I just wouldn't I would have been first one on the pyre so yeah writing love letters was just a sort of little a little sort of um soul baby I wanted to make something that was fully all about me being completely indulgent and not worrying about whether or not it was party music, not worrying about whether or not uh, it could be arranged for 13 people, like, uh, and brass instruments as well. I wanted to make something that was a little bit more intimate. And people really connected with it, which I was shocked and horrified at. I was like, this is dark. This is a kid. In a lockdown, people don't want to listen to this in a lockdown. People want to be listening to, like, you know, something fun. But no, people were messaging me going, last night, Melissa, I sat down and listened to Love Letters and I drank all of this and I smoked all the fags and now I feel amazing. I'm hungover, but I feel like somebody understands me. Yeah, <laughs> Brilliant. Do you know, just going back to something that you mentioned there um, about being unapologetic and not really minding how you're perceived mm-hmm. or do you know how people react to your branding? Do you think that as someone who you know is a feminist and is very much pro-gender balance in the music industry do you think that there's a trope there or maybe a disadvantage in do you know fighting the good fight for gender balance in the industry in terms of maybe not getting the same gigging opportunities or the same exposure that you might have gotten if your branding wasn't so aligned with feminism absolutely there's disadvantages of that there's um if you are seen as in fact sometimes feminists can be enough to put people off um which i find baffling uh which is why a lot of the time with especially with things like female musicians scotland i tell people all the time i'm happy to put my head above the parapet and be that voice if you're afraid that your career's not strong enough to withstand uh a doing it's a hard choice to make. I understand women who choose not to do it. I do understand that. And I don't judge any women who chooses to not put feminism on, on all their branding, to not uh, outwardly speak about their politics around gender, gender bias. I get it. Because you can very easily get cancelled for things like yeah. that. Or like like that shadow ban thing, you can fully just be like, no, and people will pretend that you're good. So you're fine. Oh, no, no, we love you. And then just never work with you again. I get it. I do get it. But it's worth it. It is worth yeah. it because for no other reason that you sleep like a baby at night knowing that you didn't let them walk all over you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's really important to acknowledge that that is a reality for a lot of artists um, that they are pushed to the sidelines and they're not included in the conversations. And I suppose without repeating myself, that is the aim of this initiative is to provide a mm-hmm. platform 
for those voices in order to voice their you know experiences of the music industry um, both in Scotland and beyond and mm -hmm. I suppose it's a bit of a broad question but what do you think could be done um, by the music industry here in Scotland in order to nurture a more inclusive musical community? I think a lot of music industry companies and music industry public figures uh, need to stop lying to themselves in the sense that um, just because you put up a post for International Women's Day and just because you occasionally will put up hashtag girlboss, it doesn't mean that you are doing jack shit for the cause. Um, so I think going forward, um, people need to stop treating feminism and equality and gender, uh, you know, gender balance as buzzwords for good mm -hmm. business. They need to treat it as you're having people in on the conversation and that's good for business. Yeah. And it, it, it really bleeds into that sense of performative activism, which formative activism. Yeah. Setting up this initiative, we were really conscious of that. That was our number one concern we were like we don't want to come across as really shallow and we're just saying these buzzwords because yeah. that's what people want to hear that's what's trendy nowadays yeah. to post hashtag girl boss that's not what we wanted to do it made us sick to our stomachs so I'm so glad you brought that up because that is something that we've been thinking a lot about yeah and it's it's really important that companies don't just use that as a way to to tap into a younger demographic Absolutely. It's, it's outrageous, actually, how far it's been taken. In fact, it, it smacks very much of, you know, when the Black Lives Matter movement kicked off, um, you know, there was a lot of companies and public figures who were, you know, on their Instagram stories and posting things and all the rest of it. Um, and I, I did, you know, me and, and, and a couple of musicians got into conversation about it because, of course, I perform music that has its roots in Black music. Um, and they, you know, a couple of people said to me, you know, Melissa, what are you going to do about this? You know, you're, 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 you're performing roots music. This is important to you too. And I was like, absolutely it is. I was like, I'm not going to be posting Instagram stories and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, why not? That's, that's why you should be, you know, putting up Instagram stories. Why? It's not going to do anything. It's going to take up space in a conversation that I have no right to be in. The best thing I can do is continue to make my industry intersectional. And yeah, so Melissa, you obviously know the importance of when to speak out about an issue and then when to let others carry out that important conversation, especially in regard to the style of music you do. And so with the pressure of knowing when to speak up about things and with the demands of social media, do you think that contributes to artist burnout? And what is your personal experience with that? Uh, it's one of the things that, again, I... I mean, I'm, I'm fairly brutally honest about most things. I have very little filter at this stage, mostly because I just don't care what people think of me a lot of the time. But when it comes to mental health stuff, I am even more uh, un unashamedly, uh, sort of unapologetically honest about it because um, I feel like not enough people are. And, and as I said earlier on, there, there was a point in my career where I judged how exhausted I was on how successful I was being. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I'm fully exhausted. I can barely get out of bed this morning doing something right. Oh, no, I, I've literally been on my feet for 18 hours. You know, oh, you know, the, the joys of being successful. Bollocks to that. Mm -hmm. That was nonsense. That was programmed into me to believe that I had to have all these things in order to be successful and also, uh, you know, being a woman working in the music industry you've got to work twice as hard in order to get as far and I had that programmed in as well and it ended in catastrophe like I said 
I ended up with horrendous panic attacks, uh, almost debilitating at one point. I felt at some points I couldn't leave the house. I almost ended up with full-blown agoraphobia. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and and the only way that I got around that was to admit to myself that um, exhaustion is not a a status symbol. It's not a symbol of how well you're doing. And um, you can still work and enjoy your life and if you're not keeping up with social media as stringently as posting every single day, there's nothing wrong with that. You can't make good art. You can't make good yeah. art if you're stressed out or if you're depressed or you're anxious or any of these things. You can't do it. And, and the thing is, when I finally did have, uh, you know, uh, my first huge, huge full-blown hyperventilating panic attack, mm-hmm. I realized after I'd been hospitalized, I realized that I hadn't had a day off for three years, um, three years. I also realized that the longest I'd been without gigging in three years, in that particular three years, was four days. That's Um, insane. And I realized, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? This is insane. Who's this for? Mm -hmm. This is not for me because me is in a hospital right now. Me is not happy right now. So who's this for? It's for keeping up with the Kardashians and all that bollocks (laughs) on social media. Nuts to that. Mm -hmm. Why? Because social media is a lie. It just doesn't matter. The world will blow up tomorrow and no one will care. That is the world has blown up. I don't know the world is, is currently yeah. blowing up. It's apocalypse now, bitch. Like, it doesn't matter. Do you think I'm sitting here in lockdown and going, God, I wish I'd done that extra 400 hours that week. I'm really glad that. No, bollocks to that. Uh, no. Oh, man. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us about, you know, Scottish witch trials, male gaze. Um female representation all the things that we should be discussing more maybe not so much the witch trials <laughs> i think we should be discussing it more, more. <laughs> i want justice for every bitch that died <laughs> i'm gonna get their names tattooed all over my face I want it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me though and i think what you guys is doing is 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 fantastic and i think doing stuff like this in amongst the pandemic uh, is even more admirable thank you and we also want to thank our listeners um, for tuning in to the Intune podcast. And you can catch us at our Instagram, which is just at Intune Initiative, for more content and updates to come. Um, thank you, Melissa. Thank you to our listeners. See you later. Bye. 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 <laughs>